on this episode of the World of CONCACAF, we're going north, way north, where we can tell you it's very cold, but that team is hot. This is the World of CONCACAF podcast. All right, hello. Welcome to the world of CONCACAF. I'm Eric. Uh, Donald, do we still need to introduce ourselves? I'm Donald, and yes, I think we should. I, but wait, Jonathan. Wait, Jonathan's here, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Oh, I mean, so think, we're all here. So yeah, I think we should yeah, just let people know, make sure people know, if this is your first time joining, what took you so long? But uh, <laughs> yeah, now you know who, now you, now you know names with voices, and I think that's important for anyone joining a podcast. So you know whoever said the really smart things, like, oh, that was Eric. He made a really good point. I, the, things you won't be saying very often. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we've got a lot to get to, and we don't want to make this too long, so we're going to get to it. First things first, I want to salute all of our uh, Patreon subscribers. Um, we launched our Patreon last month. Uh, we really appreciate your support of the podcast. So I want to shout out to our new subscribers, uh, Reed Setzer, Evan Molly, Melissa Wiley, and Andrew Breezy. Uh, thank you. Praise Breezes. Um, thank you for the support. We really, Praise really Breezes. appreciate it. Praise Breezes. Um, there are some familiar names in that list, and we we love y'all. We love yes. all of y'all. Yes, we we sincerely appreciate all the support. Um, all of the, our Patreon Patreon subscribers also get access to all the cool stuff on our Patreon, which if you have checked it out yet, uh, features our one more round podcast, uh, our bonus content. We've got some other content. I'm going to try to sprinkle in some new stuff this month. And our first written piece dropped. And the subject of our written piece is, that's our CONCACAF Newswire. We're getting right into it. A lot of World Cup qualifying going on. Lots of soccer being played. But let's get to the important shit. CONCACAF Nations League is back. Let's go. We're back. We are back. It's 2022, and the greatest competition in sports is back. CONCACAF. It's literally literally (laughs) what this podcast was built for. I mean, it really was our inspiration. Um, CONCACAF announced this week. The details for the 2022-2023 CONCACAF Nations League. Uh, the draw will be held April 4th in Miami. And League A, League B, and League C will kick off in June. Um, varying schedules for each league because they have varying sizes. Uh, but the things you need to know, June 2022, March 2023 for the group stages, then the much-awaited, much-anticipated CONCACAF Nations League Finals, June of 2023, where the U.S. will look to defend its title as the only ever CONCACAF Nations League champion and indisputable champion of the world. Um, I mean, I we, that could be the fact that we're, we're celebrating both a, a World Cup trophy and a CONCACAF uh, Nations League uh, double. Um, but I think the other important thing with that with that April draw date is um, hopefully we will have a live reaction draw. Oh from, yeah. Uh, from, from podcast. Um, just there everybody will be hope, content. 
Everybody hope that Duke doesn't make the final four. So <laughs> Donald is able to join us. That's the only reason. Why am I in it? Me. Why am I in it? Huh? Why am I in it? No, seriously. I, mean, the, I, mean, I, think everyone should, I think everyone should hope that Duke makes the title game because I will do the podcast live from my seat at the Superdome. And I promise you, I promise you, I will be supremely hammered for that. <laughs> everything everything I, we can day. we can make that if instead of wearing any dupe gear you're just the lone guy decked out in guilla gear yeah uh, hey Anguilla, they have well they have a light blue i can wear the white one i, I can do that or i can do the orange one just so yeah. i can stand out but i'm telling you as soon as the podcast is done put on my duke shit that's happening sidebar i do want to shout out anguilla i am rocking the anguilla hoodie right now you can't see this because this is a podcast um anguilla Won a game last month. They took on the British Virgin Islands over in England. Got a 2-1 dub. This was coming off a friendly that they played against a ninth division English team where they lost 5-0. But big points for Anguilla. They should be moving up in the soon-to-be-released FIFA rankings. Shout out to the Dolphins for that. Um, But yes, CONCACAF Nations League is back. We're super excited about it. Expect a lot, a lot of content for that, especially for the draw, leading up to the draw. Honestly, it's the most important thing in the world. Um, So, yeah, I don't really want to add anything else to the Newswire because there is no news that can compare to such things. So we're just going to move right into Scoreboard Watch because there was some soccer played back in January, I guess in February too. That was a long window. When the window breaks over two months, it kind of – can be confusing. Yeah, it ended on Groundhog Day. I mean, yeah. even Punxsutawney Phil got got the shadow stuff out the way early because he knew World Cup qualifying was on that I mean, night. He died. No, that was the other one. Oh, the other one. Yeah, there's oh. there's a couple. That was some other. There was that a was some other rat. They brought on. They brought in replacement Phil like immediately. Like replacement gotcha. Phil was like at your service, ready to go. All right, this is a Concacaf podcast, not a Groundhog podcast. So let's stay focused here, um, Jonathan. World Cup qualifiers. Let's run down what happened. So we're just gonna we're gonna run down these real quick. We're just gonna hit match day. So match day one on January twenty seventh. Uh, the U.S. with a one zero win over El Salvador. Jamaica with a one goal to two loss against Mexico. Uh, Honduras losing two to zero at home to Canada, and then Costa Rica uh, with a one zero win over Panama. Um, some big things that you know happened in that in that match day. Um, of course, you know, being the the last the late winner for Mexico. Um, but I think the big story coming out of that was um Canada's coming out and just cruising to their first ever point in San Pedro Sula. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a huge win for them. Not a lot of teams go into San Pedro Sula and win. And that's also the site of, as we'll talk about later, um, a historic thrashing that they had suffered in the past. So that's exercising some demons uh, for Canada as well, but huge on Mexico down one Oh, in the 80th minute, getting an 82nd minute goal from uh, Henry Martin and uh, Alexis Vega in the 83rd minute to get a massive, massive three points in Kingston. I think for me, the biggest go ahead. I think the biggest thing for me, uh, probably the biggest game of the round, or at least the biggest result, would be Costa Rica winning 1-0 at home against Panama. You're thinking them winning at home 
uh, is something that they do quite often, but for them to get back into this race to get to the world cup, that was a huge win for the team that's directly ahead of them. So uh, those were three massive points for Costa Rica. Then, so looking out, moving on to uh, match day 10 on January 30th, Canada with a big two zero win against the United States. Um, We won't, we'll park that one for the side because we're really going to dive into this one uh, with the laser focus tonight. Uh, Panama with a three, two win over Jamaica, Uh, Mexico with a zero, zero draw against Costa Rica. And then Honduras again, losing uh, two to zero at home to El Salvador. I do want to, you know, quickly mention, I said that Canada got their first ever points against Honduras and San Pedro Sula. It was El Salvador, same country, you know, equal amounts of, of world cup history. Interesting note that not only was El Salvador's first, Win in San Pedro Sula. That was the first time they scored a goal there in qualifying. And they're better is, rivals too. We've, yeah. we've talked about this in previous episodes. Yeah, absolutely insane. The one thing I do want to shout out, obviously excluding the Canada-US game, uh, Panama, that 3-2 win over Jamaica. Jamaica went up early in that game. Panama at home. I don't think people understand how automatic Panama is at home. So in their World Cup qualifying history, in the last four cycles, they've played 27 home games. They have lost two of them. 16 wins, nine draws, two losses. Both those losses, one was the San Zussi game in the 2014 cycle. And then in last cycle, they lost to Costa Rica. Both those teams they lost to made the World Cup. And you just don't. They get results at home, which is massive. And one of the reasons they're super competitive in this round of qualifying. And then the final match day of the round. So we see Jamaica lose um, one by one goal to zero at home to Costa Rica. The U.S. with a 3-0 win over Honduras. Uh, El Salvador losing 2-0 at home to Canada. And then Mexico um, winning 1-0 uh, to Panama. And I think the big thing, of, aside from the fact that, and Donald, you can maybe touch on a little bit of the U.S.-Honduras game with you being there, but Mexico getting a, a fairly dodgy penalty, which I think probably was a penalty in the end, but a late goal against Panama um, to keep themselves in the running and keep themselves in third place when actually was ended up being a good thing for the United States as well, um, kind of wrapping up the match day. Yeah, so in the case of the United States being the third uh, game in a row that was the coldest game in men's national team history, this one was obviously the coldest. Uh, I was at that game. Uh, Kickoff temperature, I believe, was two degrees, uh, according to most. And uh, it was definitely below zero by the end of the match. But uh, yeah, the United States came out hot. They came out uh, looking to score, and they did very, very early. That game was probably, again, probably the most dominant game they have had in the qualification since they were down in that second half in St. Pedro Sula, also against Honduras. Well, notably for Honduras, they had two players get subbed out of the game at halftime due to hypothermia. Um, I mean, those conditions. One of them being the goalkeeper. Yeah, one of them being a goalkeeper. Just absolutely ridiculous conditions to be playing in. And I understand some of the argument where especially the central American teams where it's they'll play games in the middle of the afternoon when it's hot, they'll take advantage of the weather that way. You're seeing Canada playing their home games outside, taking advantage of the weather. I get it. That was just 
a little, little too extreme for my taste. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was next level. I mean, you know, Donald talked about the U S coming out hot. The only person who was not hot on that team was Matt Turner, who yes. um, <laughs> looked like he should have been out. playing in a Snuggie. Yeah. I mean, he was on that sidelines in a Snuggie at one point, basically. Mm-hmm. I will say um, they had basically met with the match commissioner from CONCACAF also dealt with FIFA because technically balaclavas and other like face masks are not allowed by FIFA, uh, but they got special clearance for this game to wear balaclavas. They actually got a lot of cold gear from the Minnesota Vikings of all places. Um, and so did Honduras. They were able to get some for Honduras as well. Uh, the problem is, is that they had cleared for Matt Turner, a, a quarterback pouch uh, hand warmer that you would see on a quarterback in a cold game. And he was allowed to use it during the game, but two minutes into the game, the referee said that he was no longer allowed to use it, even though it had been cleared. So uh, this is why you saw a lot of him running around uh, doing wind sprints during the game to try and keep warm. Cause at the end of the day, he barely had any work to do uh, back there. So he was definitely the coldest guy in the field. I was actually half expecting that the referee told Matt Turner that he couldn't wear it. I was expecting at some point for him to have it on. Like it was like, no, 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 no. You can't wear it, but I will. Yeah, let me get this. Let me get this. Um, And then I think the other story coming out of of that match day, of course, is um, the accusations from uh, Jamaica that Costa Rica played that game with COVID, that they had COVID positive players on the roster and in the game. Yeah, well, one of them was Keeler Navas, who had tested positive. We weren't sure if he was actually going to get cleared to play in this window, and he played. So technically, he was still testing positive, and there was basically an argument as to whether, all right, well, he's still testing positive. Like, should he be allowed to play? And Costa Rica says that FIFA said everything was cool. Jamaica, who lost the game, it's clearly like, no, that was bogus. Like, we this shouldn't count were complaining and um yeah just one of those things that covid era like what do you what are you really going to do about this yeah well it's interesting because i mean we talked on uh, on the jamaica recap about what it took for us as fans to get down there to jamaica the the hoops we had to kind of go through to get that game keep in mind that when we went to canada tim way was not allowed to enter canada because uh, according to Canada, because he had not had a second shot, he was not considered fully vaccinated. But the reason why he didn't get a second shot is because he was still in the 90 day period post COVID, which according to France means you cannot get your second shot, but you are also considered to be fully vaccinated during that time. So it was a big snafu, but in the end, he was not able to travel to Canada with the United States. Uh, he eventually just stayed in the United States and played, did play in both the games in Columbus and St. Paul. Yeah. So it was definitely, I mean, I understand where Jamaica's coming from. I also understand where Costa Rica's come from. Costa Rica actually did lose a player and some staff to testing positive. Um, they had to be quarantined in Jamaica. Sounds miserable. Um, but they didn't have a full, they didn't have all their players, but two of the players who had previously tested positive were cleared to play and they played. And Costa Rica, I mean, Absolutely huge window for them. Uh, I do want to also bring up, do you guys see Atiba Hutchinson's goal for Canada in that El Salvador game? Yes. The dumbest goal I've ever seen in my life, and I mean that in a complimentary way. 
it was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bonkers. It was bonkers. It's, it, it's, it's one, it's probably the most CONCACAF goal of World Cup qualifying thus far. Do you agree? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely wild. Yeah. A lot of wild stuff going on in this window. Uh, Donald, do you want to give us a recap as to where everything sits right now after 11 matches? Yep. We have 11 matches down, three to go. Here are the standings. Your top three. Canada with 25 points. I, I, I don't need to go through goal differentials because they don't matter at this point for them. Uh, USA and Mexico are both tied at 21. However, Mexico, I'm sorry, the United States are in second place with a plus nine goal differential. Mexico has plus six. Uh, your fourth place team, Panama, 17 points, plus one goal differential. Very important. They're in that interconfederational playoff slot by one point over Costa Rica, who was at 16 points. They also have a plus one goal differential with an, a remote outside shot. They cannot qualify directly for the World Cup, but they can qualify for the playoff is El Salvador. They have nine points, a minus seven goal differential. So they have a lot of work to do and they need a lot of help. Eliminated at this point are Jamaica, who sits with seven points. And of course, Honduras, who sits at the bottom of the octagon with three points. Yeah, so Jamaica and Honduras will try again for 2026. Thanks for playing, but we've got three big games. We will be previewing the March window in a later podcast. We're not going to dwell too much on it right now because we have a lot to talk about in our laser focus. And in this week's laser focus, we are headed to the great white North. We're headed to Canada. So right after this, let's talk about Canada. This week, we're diving into Canada. So naturally, we're diving into a snowbank. Um, Canada, the northernmost team in CONCACAF. Uh, let's talk about it. First off, let's get some background. Jonathan, tell me about Canada, like their history. What, what's their deal? What's their deal? Um, <laughs> their deal's a lot of things. <laughs> so... Um, I feel like many listening are, you know, familiar with Canada. So, of course, um, you know, looking back at, of course, the indigenous people, the Inuit and the Matisse um, that, you know, were the first people here in, uh, you know, not here in because we are not in Canada anymore. Thank <laughs> God. Thank um, God. But no, they, they made up part of they made up part of the First Nations um, within Canada. And then as far as from a, um, you know, exploration of the from the European regions. So Leif Erikson, of course, was the first uh, European to make the trek over um, to North America as a whole uh, in about a thousand AD in, in landing um, in Newfoundland. So, um, you know, when he came like from there up until, you know, for almost about 500 years, um, no further European exploration. Um, it wasn't until an Italian seafarer. Uh, John Cabot, uh, you know, came over to Canada and claimed uh, the Atlantic coast. Um, kind of, And then from there, there's, you know, a lot of there's the 
you the English, the French, there's there's a lot of different um, competing uh, countries kind of competing for the natural resources of Canada. Um, but of course, it's primarily uh, the United Kingdom, Britain with uh, the French. And, and that's still today. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like a big part of the story with Canada is, I mean, you look at Quebec, there is clearly that intense French influence in that one specific region, while the rest of the country still wants to be British. So, I mean, it's still, it's funny how all these years later, it's still uh, a divided dynamic there. Yes. Um, and then throughout the, you know, the eight, the seven, the 1800s and the 1900s, um, we see Canada start to um, gain a bit more, not full sovereignty, but they start to, to gain a bit more independent independence from the United Kingdom. Um, but it isn't until as recently as 1982 that we finally see the final uh, piece of legislation or, or treaty, and that is the Canada Act or the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms uh, that established the complete sovereignty as an independent nation. Um, and then even though the monarch is retained as the sovereign leader, um, so uh, they still give a shit about the queen. Yeah, the queen is still on all the money. Like they they talk about being their own their own people and everything like that, but they still got the queen on all their their coins and dollars and things of that nature. They also have things like moose <laughs> and loons. <laughs> there are a lot of moose up there. A lot so, of mooses. There's also a lot of snow. A, a lot of snow um but there's also soccer and i feel like that's kind of what we're here to talk about so down what's soccer like up in canada so canada is one of the most unique soccer systems in the entire world because they have a hybrid system where there are essentially two pyramids one sanctioned by the canadian soccer association their federation and one sanctioned by u.s soccer why u.s soccer well before they started kind of getting their act together a few years ago, they had uh, some of their player or some of their best teams compete in the U.S. soccer system, similar to Wales, Welsh teams and you know, competing in England. But the way this is set up is there's two pyramids. So Canada's main top division is the Canadian Premier League entering its fourth season this year. They also have three teams in Major League Soccer. So there is your top hybrid uh, section of the pyramid. Canadian pro teams compete for the Canadian championship, which comes with a spot in CONCACAF Champions League. So all those teams are eligible for that Canadian championship. Canada does not have any teams in the second division, either Canada or the United States, but they have three leagues that have teams in Canada on the third division, League One Ontario, League One British Columbia, and the Premier League du Soccer du Quebec. In the U.S. pyramid, there are Canada teams Sorry. in the new MLS Next Pro and USL League Two. Also, the UPSL, which is also the United States, has uh, amateur teams from Canada. And the Challenge Trophy, which is basically an amateur soccer cup in Canada. Every single province in Canada has teams that enter this cup every year, and they compete for that on that amateur level. Since the formation of the Canadian Premier League, though, there's been a lot of debate, and I want to get your take on this. 
whether the Canadian teams that are playing in American leagues should switch over to just play in the Canadian league. So the, obviously for the United States, uh, a lot of expansion has been happening in major league soccer, USL, and these Canadian teams getting out of the paint, so to speak, would leave room for more American cities to have teams in those leagues. But with the amount of money in Major League Soccer, Toronto FC, Club de Foot, du Montreal, and the Vancouver Whitecaps are likely not switching to the Canadian Premier League on their own. So uh, I break here to say, what do you guys think? Should the three teams, at least the three teams in Major League Soccer and all the other teams that are kind of in the American Leagues, should there start to be an eventual exodus of those Canadian teams? Or do you think it makes sense to have Canadian teams in both Canadian leagues and American leagues? So I'll start with the, the joke. I mean, this country just wants to be everyone but themselves. Um, you know, <laughs> they they want to be a part of the United Kingdom. They want to, they want to be a part of America in some, some sense. Um, but, you know, you talked about there not being any Canadian teams uh, in the second division of us of American soccer. Um, that wasn't the case as recently as only a few years ago. It wasn't until, like you said, the, the formation of the CPL that we saw a team like Ottawa Fury, who was one of the few uh, independent uh, second division teams, unlike Toronto 2 and like the other two teams that mm-hmm. were associated with their, with their MLS teams. I go back and forth on this. I think that with with Vancouver we could just you know annex that part of British Columbia because it's a beautiful city it's um it's got its own tie in to Cascadia and and the Cascadian Cup so i think it, i i like to think of Vancouver as just a little bit different because of um because of how everything is uh, in the Pacific Northwest and a lot of you know cultural similarities there um but i think it's it would be good for Canadian soccer to have everybody in in one league, I just think it's very hard because we've seen the level between these like two leagues. Whereas, yes, the CPL is the top ranked um, federal, like top ranked league. There, the, the amount of money flowing through it, there's just so much more money in MLS. And I mean, we're looking at a, a team like Toronto that's got going to have Insigne in in the summer. There is, I mean, they would steamroll through. Yeah, I also mean, F, go ahead. Also, FS, hang on. Also, FC Edmonton was one of the other teams you mentioned that was in. Uh, they were in the NASL, and then they ended up leaving on hiatus, and then they eventually were one of the flagship uh, founders of the Canadian Premier League. So they are prominent in that league as well. I think it does make sense in present tense to have the major Canadian teams in MLS uh, simply because Canadian soccer's infrastructure just isn't there yet. Canada is a massive fucking country. It is huge. Like you can't have a league there with these major metropolitan areas and having enough teams to have like good competition spread out over the country because it's such a huge country. They really need to work on the infrastructure. I think in time, it would make sense for Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver to move back and enter the Canadian Premier League and really make FIFA happy because I know FIFA is not a huge fan of teams in one country playing in a major league in the top league of another country. Like, it's quite unprecedented the way MLS is set up. But I think currently, just for the game in North America, it makes the most sense. I think 
for me, I, I, I agree with you. I think the infrastructure needs to be there. However, it's, it's the second largest country by area, right? The only country that is larger in size than it is Russia. But the United States is not like United States is slouched. The United States is the third biggest country. But the problem is, is that all of their major cities are right there by the United States. If you think about it, the top four cities in Canada are Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, and Mississauga, which is a suburb of Toronto. So like, and then the, I think sixth is Hamilton, where we were for the game, which is also considered, it's, it's also its own city and also a suburb of Toronto in the same time. So the problem with Canada is not necessarily the size of the country because everyone, I think, you know, three quarters of the country live within 30 miles of the Southern border. The problem is, is that they try to have all these leagues and all these teams, and they're trying to build it up through neighborhood teams. It's just not working for them so far. I do find it interesting. You say the problem with Canada as if they only have one. Hey, they have, so so that negates a couple. I also found it interesting. You didn't refer to Hamilton as a suburb of Buffalo. Let's, uh, we're saving that. We're saving that. We'll save that. But, for the, we'll save that for for one more round. Yeah, but Canadian soccer it is building up. They're getting that infrastructure. The start of the Canadian Premier League is huge. Donald, they've had other leagues. What have the other leagues been like? Yeah, well, I, I left one league out that has been through several editions, but uh, this league there. is called. It's still there, but it's been through several editions. I'll explain what that means. Uh, there is the Canadian Soccer League, um, which is a league that right now is not sanctioned by FIFA or the Canadian Soccer Association, but it does have eight teams in Ontario that play in this league. It is now run by a breakaway federation called the Soccer Federation of Canada. It's basically one of those, uh, think of Cascadia or Catalonia. They're part of that group um, where they are trying to be their own federation and do their own things, but they are not in any way associated with FIFA. They used to be the top league in Canada before the Canadian premier league, but they had a big problem in 2012. A story came out that revealed evidence about this league. This league basically was a random hotbed for match fixing with players being accused of fixing games, dating all the way back to 2009. In a league where players got a couple hundred dollars Canadian per week, they were being bribed or receiving bribes in excess of 18,000 Canadian dollars to fix games. So much of this bribery and this gambling was around, around these games was centered in Eastern Europe and Southeast Asia. It was actually a large syndicate that fixed games all around the world. And you may have heard about it in, you know, in places like Germany or Malaysia. But the problem was the money being laid on the Canadian soccer league was twice that of any other league in the world because the league wasn't on the radar and most gambling monitor companies was not looking for this league and not looking at bets from this league. And also because players are being paid, you know, a paper paper route money. They're paid a couple hundred dollars a week to play in this league. So here's how syndicates do it, because I think this is also interesting. And Eric, I want to get your take on this. Syndicates actually realized that to make this work, they just had to buy teams. So they did that for like $150,000. Then they would bring over players from the Balkans region who were much better than the Canadian players that were already on the team. And so now they have their plans. 
And then they had it made because all they had to do, because they own the players and they knew what the, the players knew what they were there for. They just told the players, win this game, lose this game. And then they would just bet on what they told them to do and make a fortune. Because again, nobody was monitoring this. So Eric, I break for that because there's still some other stuff, but like how I don't even want to say genius. Cause I don't want to give them that kind of credit, but it kind of is genius. It's genius. Yeah. yeah, just to buy the team and put the players in, and then we go, hey, players, lose. Hey, well, like, and then they just go to the bookies and bet it. I want to make sure we talk about this because, like, I know somebody that played in the league, so I've heard stories about this. So, and one of the stories was, I don't remember which team it was that did it, but I was told that one of the teams in the league, they had intentionally lost, like, they were a stacked team. They intentionally lost like their first couple games. So by the time like the fourth or fifth game of the year, it's like, oh, this team sucks. Like all the odds are like against them. They're like, they threw a whole bunch of money on that game. Like, oh yeah, we'll win this one. And they went out and just won. They won the league title, but they started the year as like an underdog just to rack up the odds. And my buddy who played in this league for a couple of years, he said he would get DMs on social media, people asking for like inside info, like, Hey, who made the trip for away games? Like who's on the roster? Do you know who's playing? What's the starting lineup? Uh, is there anyone hurt? Does anyone have any injuries? Uh, do you guys think you're going to win? Like j- people from all over the world, just reaching out, sliding into his DMS, trying to get inside info on this league. The amount, I mean, it's the Canadian soccer league. Like these are small town teams. I mean, I've been to games and there's a couple hundred people there. The only thing is like, is it's not like someone they were making, they were being bet twice as much as any league in Europe. That includes champions league. That includes the premier league. It goes to the point where this was so off the radar that only a few booking sites on the planet even took bets on this league because no one knew it existed. So the fact is these gambling monitoring companies wouldn't even bother going to those books. They're like, oh, Canadian Soccer League, we don't not worried about that. We don't even know a team in that league. And because of that, this syndicate ended up making a ton of money off of it. Now, I will say this, as late as 2016, there were still match results that gambling monitors looking back considered fixed. So in 2014, the CSA eventually just dropped the sanctioning of the league. And most believe it was due to the rampant match fixing that they just couldn't stop. Now, here is the here's the the punchline of all this. While there are people who were prosecuted over in Europe, no one was ever charged in Ontario because the laws on corruption there are so lax. And government officials were like, "Yo, we're not worried about this little league that has like twelve people going, have more people, barely more people watching the game than are actually playing." Like, we don't care about this league. We don't care about what's going on there. There can't be enough money there. So they just didn't have the time or the or the 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 energy to deal with it. So no one ever got brought to justice. There was no charges filed in, in Canada over this. Listen, it's not illegal. There aren't rules against it, you know. But I, I do want to know, just, just a declaration, my contacts who had played in that league never participated in any of this, hadn't witnessed anyone on their teams. None of this had taken place. It was a lot of hearsay, but the the DM sliding, that was a real thing. I mean, it's not like 
you know, college football or something where there were boosters that came to you after the game and said, Hey, great job, buddy. And like stuck an envelope in your pocket. They were not, I mean, they were kind of making this where like, I think some guys did know, like you said, didn't know who they were talking to, didn't know where money was coming from. And meanwhile, 10,000 miles away, people are making a fortune off of this league. Yeah. So it just shows you where Canadian soccer was just a short time ago. Right now, the story is that their national teams are on the way up. First, let's talk about the women's national team in Canada. Jonathan, how's their ladies team looking? So, you know, through the the laser focuses that we've done, we've, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the national teams, it's been like, we even struggled to find like, if they even had a team or when the last time they may have even potentially played a game. Yeah. And, and that's something completely different for the, the Canadian women's national team. Um, they are considered one, really one of the preeminent women's national teams in, in the world. Uh, currently they're, they're ranked sixth. Um, they, there's been some transition as far as like, you know, players aging out and like old generation, new generation. Um, but uh, of course, their most famous player and, and any U.S. soccer fans listening know who Christine Sinclair is, 308 caps um, in international soccer or in soccer, like in international soccer. So like top of that, she is the highest scoring player in international soccer. So at 188 goals, she is only one of two players that has even that has scored in five world cups. Like she has been playing since 2000, which Crazy. is just, um, you know, an unbelievable career uh, for her And looking at the, just the team as a whole. So they've never won a world cup. They've been in seven of them. Um, they, their best result was a fourth place finish in 2003. They hosted the 2015 edition of that. Um, which I think is, you know, it's the most uh, well-attended um, World Cup. I say, Donald, you went to the World Cup in Canada in 2015, correct? I did. I went to the group stage in Winnipeg, uh, which is a actually, I had a great, great time in Winnipeg. So uh, it's not a place, it's in the middle of the, you know, of the country and there's not a lot around it. But actual Winnipeg was a great, great time. It was a ball to be there. I can't believe we have on this podcast someone saying something positive about the city of Winnipeg, but it's on, it's on wax. It now. wasn't hockey related either. So. Yeah. I also, I did attend the 2014 U20 women's world cup because they always do that the year before I went to a game in Toronto. Uh, so we've got some experience in these major tournaments in Canada. Um, and then of course, you know, their biggest result, best result um, was, you know, most recently the 2020 Olympics, that took place in 2021 um, where the uh, they, they claimed their first gold medal. So they had a few bronze medals, um, but they claimed their first gold medal um, in the Olympics, which um, women's soccer Olympics is, is a much bigger deal than the uh, United than than in the, on the men's side, but yeah, scoring, you know, six wins two I uh, know. Yeah. Six matches. They had two wins, uh, four draws, um, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, they didn't score a goal in regular time um, through, throughout the uh, knockout round. I believe that's correct. Yeah. 
they won all their games in extra time or penalties. Yeah, I mean that's that that there's no there's no women there's no organized women's league. Most of the um, Canadian uh, players will play either you know in the NWSL or abroad. Um, but I mean, I think that's really the next step for for Canadian women's soccer is as successful as they have been. It's you know, and I think it's a similar situation that we've seen. We even talked about it with the United States is, uh, I mean, with the men's team, you know with the men's leagues playing in, in the U S is that something we could see of like, does Toronto have a, an NWSL team? I mean, that's a league that is also growing. So it'll be interesting to see what Canadian soccer does with that. Yeah. So the women's national team certainly peaking on the men's side. I mean, we'll get to current, but just some background on the Canadian men's national team. Now it's interesting because Canada's first international it dates back to 1885. Like they've been around a long, long time. Uh, it would, doesn't qualify as like an official game, uh, but in their first match, they did beat the U.S. one nothing in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, it's like the first match for both countries. Uh, their first official match was away to Australia and Brisbane uh, back in the 1920s. Uh, that was a three-two friendly loss. Uh, Canada they really haven't had a lot of major success. Uh, The first tournament they've really won the 1985 CONCACAF championship, which was also qualifying for the 1986 world cup. Uh, 1986, the world cup was hosted by Mexico and weird thing back then. So the host got an automatic bid to the tournament, but it still came out of CONCACAF's allotment. So CONCACAF had two slots and one of them went right to Mexico. So the championship literally decided who is going to the World Cup? Uh, after advancing out of the first round, in the final round, Canada was able to win away to Honduras and got a crucial draw to Costa Rica away. Um, and needing at least a draw in their final match, they defeated Honduras 2-1 in St. John's, Newfoundland to win the 1985 CONCACAF Championship, go to the 1986 World Cup. In that 1986 World Cup, their only World Cup appearance to date, uh, in a group of the Soviet Union, France, and Hungary. They went zero wins, three losses, zero goals, goals for, five goals against. This country has literally never scored a goal in the World Cup, um, which I have to say, probably ain't going to be able to say that too much longer. I feel like, I feel like that's changing in 2022. Yeah. Uh, again, 1986 is the only World Cup they've qualified for. In 19, for the 1994 World Cup in the U.S., they did advance the intercontinental playoff. They faced Australia after winning 2-1 at home. They lost 2-1 away, which sent the game to extra time. There were no goals in extra time. So a spot in the World Cup was decided by penalty kicks, and Australia won and moved on to the 1994 World Cup. Canada's next major accomplishment, the 2000 Gold Cup, I do want to go through this a little bit because it is some very CONCACAF shit. Um, In Group D, they were with Costa Rica and South Korea. Again, South Korea in the Gold Cup. Um, The three-team group, top two teams were to advance. All three games in the group ended in draws, Uh, including the game between Canada and South Korea, which was 0-0. So both Canada and South Korea at the end of the group stage where they had played two games, had two draws, two goals for, two goals against, 
zero goal differential. They decided who would get through to the next round by coin flip, flipping coins to get through to the gold cup. I remember that. (laughs) So Canada moves on. They go ahead and beat Mexico in extra time in the quarterfinal. Huge upset. Beat Trinidad and Tobago in the semifinal. And who do you think they beat in the final? Two nothing. That's right. Colombia, who is also in the gold cup for some reason. So Canada's only victory in the CONCACAF Gold Cup in 2000. Uh, After that, there really wasn't a lot of success. Most notably, in 2014 World Cup qualifying, the third round, Canada went into their last game of the third round needing just a draw versus Honduras, who they had drew at home. They went into San Pedro Sula and lost 8-1. to A must-win game, they lost 8-1. to Honduras got the three points they needed to move on to the hex and Canada was out. They did not qualify in 2018, but in 2018, there was a big change in the Canadian Federation. We talked about the success of the women's national team, John Herdman, their coach, Canada took their women's national team coach and moved him to the men's national team. And since, and Herdman had had some success, it's actually, He's got a really interesting story. He didn't really play at any major level. Uh, He moved to New Zealand and got the job coaching the New Zealand women's national team in 2006. In 2011, he moved to Canada and took over the women's national team there, got two bronze medals in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics, and moved to the men's national team in January 2018. In 38 games that he's been in charge of the men's national team, they've got 28 wins, four draws, and six losses. And I think the one thing that people need to realize with John Herdman is that the reason why he switched from the women to the men is that he was up for the women's England job. And Canada basically said, hey, don't leave us. What can we do? And he goes, I want to I want to coach the men now. And they go, great. It's yours. You can have it. And because of that, England ended up hiring Phil Neville. So uh I think England lost there. (laughs) I mean, in the end, Miami lost there because we see him go. We see him make the move to to MLS. So it really comes back to that. Yeah, but they've had some success. It is interesting right now. Canada's men's national team is ranked 40th at a time of recording. By the time this comes out, the new FIFA rankings will likely be out and they are expected to move up from to a new highest ever ranking. Um, they do have, it's an interesting mix on the roster right now because you have these guys who've been around for a lot of the doldrums over the past decade. Plus guys like Atiba Hutchinson, whose first cat was in 2003. The dude's still scoring goals and qualifying. He's playing for Besiktas. Um, Milan Borjan, obviously Jonathan's favorite player. Uh, his first cap was in 2011. Uh, Daniel Henry first cap 2012 you've got like this core of like veterans who really didn't win much anything now mixed with this infusion of talent guys like alfonso davies guys like jonathan david uh kyle laren who just took over as the top goal scorer uh in men's national team history from Dwayne de rosario uh with the advent of all these MLS academies, like young talent is just brimming in Canada. And you're seeing this right now. They're unbeaten in World Cup qualifying. Uh, in 2021, they went 13 wins, 
four lot four draws, two losses. They're they're riding high. And as we saw in World Cup qualifying, they keep winning. We saw that in person. And we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go to t- to pot on the road and talk about going to Canada. One thing I do want to mention before we go to pot on the road, as good as they have been, there's one thing they've never participated in, and that's the CONCACAF Nations League final. We'll be back after the <laughs> talked about Canada like in general terms now it's time to talk about Canada it's it's pot on the road where we're talking about our trips our travails and our experiences in these wonderful countries of CONCACAF um so we went to Canada uh Donald you and I both went from Columbus from seeing the U.S. first game went from Columbus north I think we both had different journeys. We did. Yeah. So for me, I know you were already planning on driving from Columbus yeah. to Buffalo. Uh, for me, I was going to fly to uh, Columbus. I'm sorry, fly to Toronto through LaGuardia from Columbus. And I'm going to tell the full story on one more round. So Patreons will get to listen to this. And if you're not a Patreon, sign up that you can hear this full adventure that, I, that I'm going to shorten up. <laughs> Uh, but for all intents and purposes, my flight was canceled. And because my COVID test expired the next morning early, I ended up driving to Canada overnight uh, with a few friends. We got across the border in time so that all of our COVID tests were still usable. Uh, and then I ended up driving to Toronto uh, to hang out there for the weekend. Yeah. Now, we made, I made a different choice. I, I call it a choice. Um I now this full disclosure, we got to back up a little bit. I got to, I got to take the wheel here for a second. So I've got a very unique relationship with Canada. I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. Um, I've got a lot of experience with Canada and with Southern Ontario. I probably been over the border 40 plus times in my life. Like I'm very familiar. I I know you're, you know, I know you're Detroit. Like we're just, we're just, we're just meeting in the middle. Yeah. We're just meeting in the middle, but like, if I needed to, I could get to Toronto without directions. You know, it's that kind of thing. So, and especially living in a border town, like you get enough interaction with the people where you get a deep sense of like what they're all about. And Canada is an interesting place. Canadians are interesting people. Um, there is this inferiority complex that just runs rampant with them. Like Canada, like it's a fine country. Like it's fine, but like you can't say anything bad about them because they'll just get super upset about it. I'm sure someone's going to hear this podcast and be really upset about it, but they're fine. They're decent people. It's cold as shit up there. And if you live near the U S border, it's pretty similar to the U S like you're not going to be completely, it's not going to be a massive culture shock. Um, but it was interesting for me because this game was in Hamilton, Ontario, for some unknown reason. Like, 
I say I've been to Canada 40 times. I've been to Hamilton once because there ain't no reason to go there. You drive, Hammer, through, baby. you drive through Hamilton on your way to Toronto. You don't even, you don't even drive through it. You drive by it. You're like going right from St. Catharines yeah. to Burlington. You know, it's like yeah. you're just skipping around the lake. Like we don't need to we don't need to go further inland here. No, no need. Yeah. So those games in Hamilton and being from Buffalo, I'm like, yo, I got a great idea. Let's go party in Buffalo instead of going right to Hamilton. So Jonathan flew up. I drove up. Uh, a bunch of our friends also joined us in Buffalo. We had a night before the night before party in Buffalo. Um, we we got into it. Um, shout out the old pink. Yeah. Shout out Ballyhoos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout you went to Ballyhoos. Shout, shout out Big Ditch. Yeah. Big Ditch was a good time. Oh, I love uh, that place. Yeah. Um, Jonathan went to a nice bar, Ballyhoo. I went right to join people at the old pink, which is a classic, classic Buffalo dive bar closes at 4 a.m. They say nothing happens. Good happens after midnight, like, you know, go home kind of thing. Nothing good happens after midnight. It's open till 4 a.m. So needless they to say, also say, don't go to the old pink before midnight. Yes. And we were there well before midnight. Um, we what time did we grab that Uber? like three thirty? Yeah, it was it was uh, it was late. And we'll get into this uh, some more of the things that happened after. Uh, yeah, we gotta save. We'll save we'll, we'll a lot of stories for one more round. But I, I think so. Um, my like first trip into Canada proper and spending time in Canada. So we day, day before the game, we made the drive up to scenic Hamilton. Um, yeah. Stopped in Niagara Falls. Stopped in Niagara Falls, which was absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, seeing it frozen. Um, yeah, check it off the list. Yeah. Uh, I think even you can check our social, some of our social media stuff. We put some stuff out from there um, and then had the wildest night before party I have ever been a part of uh, in lovely Hamilton. Um, so for those that may not know, most of Canada at up at that point, indoor dining shut down, bars are closed. Um, uh, I, 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 I do want to say we got to the border. And we cross over Rainbow Bridge, you know, Niagara Falls. Like, you're basically driving over the gorge. You see the falls there. We get to the border. The patrol guy is, like, asking us questions. Gives us, We give him our information, everything like that, our COVID tests. And he's like, you guys know, you guys know there's nothing to do up here, right? Ours is, everything was closed. Too. Mine yeah. said that, too. He's like, you know, there's everything's closed. We're like, that's fine, whatever. Yeah, like, okay. literally, I told him, I told him, Jonathan can vouch for this. I told him, yeah, we're just going to sit in the hotel room and watch, get, drink beer and watch Hockey Night in Canada. Like, almost like a joke. <laughs> but and like, I think he thought, I think he thought you were joking and like kind of mocking. Yeah. But that was literally what we did. <laughs> we did that. That's exactly what we did. So for me, I was in Toronto and we were going to stay in Hamilton. But once they put in the COVID restrictions, we said, let's just stay in Toronto. There's not anything to do in Hamilton. Um, and there's more opportunity to do things in Toronto. So yeah, it was really, really cold. Um, but they did have outdoor patios, um, at some places that were open. So we did go to one. It, it was, it was very, very cold. We, we ate lunch very quick and then abandoned that very, very quickly. But, um, we went to a place called, uh, I, I forgot the name of this place. Um, Oh, members only it's called members only. And, um, it, it had had waffles that were shaped like male parts. 
You can um, say it. This is this is a rated R. Dick, they had dick waffles. Dick. <laughs> they were dick waffles. They're cock waffles. Um, and they're they're delicious waffles. But um, we all went and did that. We we made we made fun of that and or made some fun out of that, and then uh, uh, ended up going to this outdoor dining spot for a little bit. But it was too cold. So what we basically did is kind of like you guys. We partied in our hotel rooms. Uh, we ordered a lot of great great takeout. Um, but the reason why we stay in Toronto, I will say this. COVID or not, Toronto is one of my top five cities on the planet. And it ain't five. I don't think it's four. It might not be three. Like it's one of those places that every single time you go, I feel like I want to move there. That's how much I love Toronto. I've been there a hundred times easily before I turned 18. This place is amazing. But I will say that food there is also amazing, which is why we ended up staying there because we knew the food options were going to be incredible. Yeah, Toronto, like I would never move there just because of the weather. But like <laughs> as a city, as a city, Toronto is fucking awesome. Toronto, um, the summertime. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Like, I mean, being from Buffalo, if there is a concert I wanted to go to, it's an hour and a half, two hour drive, depending on the traffic. Hockey games. I drive up for TFC games all the time. Like it is an absolutely wonderful city. It's a shame that it's a refrigerator for eight months a year. But it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So we each had our own experiences before the game. Then on the day of the game, we made our journey to Tim Hortons field in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, all the credit to Canadian soccer for choosing one of the most desolate, miserable places I could possibly think of to have this game while having it like transportation wise convenient for them. Um, the stadium was reduced capacity. Uh, that yeah, was you, interesting. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say reduced, was it reduced air capacity. Oh, it was, re- it was reduced. I mean, yes, it was. It was not. It was not full. I didn't say wasn't. half capacity. I said reduced. They, were, saying, they, were okay, they, they built it. They built it as fifty percent capacity. That wasn't fifty percent. I do want to note they did not announce attendance. They said sold out, reduced capacity crowd. They did not give out a number, so they knew what they were doing. But if you missed some of the stuff before the game, so they'd put tickets on sale back in December. Was it early December? Yeah, they yeah it was like mid December. December. The yeah. thing sold out in pre-sales. Completely sold out. The stadium seats about. Mid twenties, twenty three. Yeah, yeah, around that. Huge I will game. say the official the official attendance that they put for Con- that they gave Concacaf was twelve thousand, and I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that that Bullshit. is a flat out fucking lie. Bullshit. It was way more than twelve. Yeah, but they put the game on sale, full capacity. There were no COVID restrictions in Ontario at the time. Um, sold out in the pre sales, and in the time that they put the game on sale and sold out. And the week before the game, Ontario put in a whole bunch of restrictions because of the COVID problems that they were having. Um, Canada has been notoriously strict about their health protocols. Good on them in some senses. In this one, they Canada soccer basically had to decide the week before the game. Yo, we're not going to be able to do a full building. So they canceled everybody's tickets and put it back on sale at quote unquote reduced capacity. Well, the other thing to note is they, they announced the restrictions, but Ontario announced some easing of restrictions 
<laughs> it yes. literally started the day after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, all you got to do is move it up a day. Like, it's Sunday. People aren't really going to go out too much, you know? Everyone in Toronto was pissed at that, by the way. They're like, start that on Friday so all the restaurants can have a good weekend and have people come in and all this stuff. Don't start on Monday when no one's at work, like, in downtown. Like, downtown was, like, all the downtown restaurants were pissed. They're like, what? Like, like, just do it on Friday. Give Give us a chance. Yeah. No, but, I mean, it made sense, like, public events. Obviously, a lot of the public events in Canada are hockey games and indoors. ice rinks. Yes, indoors. Basketball. Yeah, of course, it's in an ice rink. You know, it's Canada. Um, but this was an outdoor soccer game. Uh, so they were able to do 50% redu- reduced capacity. Uh, tailgating was okay. There, were, I didn't see too many Canadian fans, like, really set up um, and drinking. Although we did get there kind of late. We only got to the parking lot about an hour before the game. It was just too fucking cold to really get after it. Um, but all the U.S. fans had like their back corner of the parking lot, got together, had some drinks, and then the game. I mean, I will say real app- quick. I I will say real quick. We got to the parking lot. I got to the parking lot maybe a couple hours before you guys did. Um, but if you guys were active on Twitter, you saw that we had. A, a very, very quick video from the parking lot before the game, the three of us uh, talking about getting ready to go in for the game. So hopefully you guys were able to see that on Twitter. Yeah. That, that ended up going through at like eight 30 that night after we got back to Buffalo, because sorry, bell, your service sucks. Um, <laughs> said that did, that was not a timely, timely post. Um, Jonathan, this was your first road game of qualifying Donald and I have been doing all of them. What, like what was your thoughts on the vibe? So, I mean, so the first, first road, first road game of, of this cycle. And I will say like, it's a, a stark contrast to the last road game I went to, um, which was Azteca away. Um, Cause it was cold. Oh no, no, no. I, from the fan experience, um, Canadian fans are very nice. And it's that fake nice. It's that fake southern nice. Like, yeah. But it's just like it's kind of annoying. Like, you can't really talk shit. Um, some those that talking, may know some me talk a little trash I, though. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there was there was a little talking. bit, but like some I mean, had to be some had to be told like, yo, you're now about this life that we live. Like, I we, mean, like we're from, like going we're in, like going States. into going into the game, they were super nice, and then it oh, was yes. you know after the the result. Um, I like to they got their antsy and I, like, I like to I like to talk some shit and it's just like you know going into the game like waiting in line we had to show our vaccines and like you know Canadian fans like thanking us for coming I'm like no this is bullshit <laughs> like see like I, for, I mean for me it was interesting because because of the location I felt I mean this was the biggest away crowd we've had for an away qualifier this cycle like there have been games where it's been like 22 of us and so like a tight group and we're all kind of chill this was a lot of people who this was their game that they could get to go to and you almost it's almost interesting because like when it's a smaller group you tend to be a little bit more like polite and diplomatic but if you got like the crowd numbers you you get a little more energetic so i felt like there's more back and forth with chance and things like that um gestures at the crowd yes from both both fans there was a couple people at halftime that 
got told in no uncertain terms, you need to watch what you're saying because we are still Americans and, and we are, we are actually about that life that you, that you were portraying. <laughs> um, one guy was like, uh, the funny thing is, and here's the other thing, uh, a lot of hockey jerseys there, a lot yeah. of hockey jerseys there. And I think obviously that makes sense because that's their national sport, but it, I did see, I, to their credit, I saw quite a few Canadian soccer jerseys in the crowd, which goes to show you that that sport is actually building some momentum with uh, the national families. Yeah, but also there were a lot of TFC jerseys, as Jonathan mentioned, but like also it was fucking what, 18 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Like a hockey jersey can fit over a parka. It's a little harder to do a soccer jersey. So it made sense. And obviously everyone in Canada has a hockey jersey. Um, FYI, they are not, they have not won the most recent World Junior Hockey Championships. That's uh, U.S. Also, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993, but we digress. Yeah, yeah, it's just hockey. It's not anything that's important to them. Um, but there was a little bit of shit talking. I got the hell out of the stadium as soon as I could. Went back to the car. I was not happy about the performance. Um, I actually have not seen the U.S. beat Canada in person. So as a Western New Yorker who grew up near the border and obviously a hockey fan, like it's a little bitter pill for me to swallow. But it was nice getting back to America within an hour after the game. Uh, that was the easiest trip back that we've had. Um, but any other thoughts on Hamilton? Again, I, mean, I, I love su- Canada. I'd, I'd go yeah. back. I mean, I would assume that this, the next time Canada hosts the U.S. in a major game where they have a home game, they're putting it in Hamilton after this. But it also won't be January. Yeah, which, I mean. Which means means BMO. Yeah. Eh. I mean, you go with what works. All right. So we'll wrap up pot on the road there. We'll have more talk about this in one more round, which you can find exclusively on our Patreon uh, please subscribe, support the podcast. We'll be joined by a fourth member of uh, World of Concacaf during one more round <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, Jonathan gets to regale you with that. Um, <laughs> but all right, now that this we're through pot on the road, it's time for the real important shit. It is real team or fake team. Jonathan, you're up. Donald and I have six hot Canadian teams. You have to decide if they're real or if they're fake. Um, Donald. I'm going to defer to you to lead us off, but give us our first team. Before I start, before right. we start, I just want to remind people I am the reigning champion at getting five of six. Let's see if I can go for six for six this time. All we'll right. See, we'll, we'll see about that. We will start with this team then. Okay. Um, this team that I'm giving you, Calgary Dinosaurs. I have a question. Are these teams, are all of these teams, active like or are they have they yes have they they've been te- they are active teams we assume that every team that is a real team fake team is an active team i'm gonna go real team calgary dinosaur is real yes are you serious yeah it's yeah. real it's real they're in the alberta major soccer league Fucking de- what does calgary have to do with the dinosaur that's my question all right my first team Pro Stars FC. It's just generic enough to be fake. Um, I'm going to go fake team. 
Pro Stars FC is a real team in League One Ontario. They're based out mm. of Brampton, Ontario. One for two. All right. So your next team, Stade de Foot Quebecois. My French is lacking. Um, fake team. It is a fake team. Stade de Foot Quebecois means the Quebec football stadium. <laughs> All right. He's two for three. All right. Next up, Atletico Ottawa. Fake team. Atletico Ottawa is a, is a real team <laughs> in the Canadian Premier League. They are owned by Atletico Madrid and Atletico Ottawa. And they is suck. The dumbest fucking name I've ever heard in my life. By the way, the reason why they exist is because they bought the Ottawa Fury. And when the Ottawa oh, Fury left to go to the Canadian Premier League, they were rebranded as Atletico Ottawa. That's right. Ottawa. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Atletico Ottawa, because you think and they suck. Spanish football <laughs> when you think of Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario. I mean, that we do have Rio OKC. Like, I mean, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they have to. Everyone has one. Every, everyone in this region has to have one. So yeah. um, the next league, or I'm sorry, the next team that we have in real team, fake team, uh, where well, you're two for four now. Yeah, two um, for four. Two for four. So the next one we have is Serbian White Eagles. <laughs> 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 I gotta go real team. It, like, it, it just seems too ridiculous. If, if you think it's too ridiculous, you're absolutely right because it is a real team. <laughs> it is one of the major teams that was involved in the match fixing in the Canadian Soccer League. And they still oh. exist. They, they're still around. All right. Last one. Unity FC. Real team. Unity FC is a real team in League One British Columbia. They're based out of Langley, BC, and they are Rick James' favorite football club, um, Unity FC. So, yeah, yes, Donald showing the ring. <laughs> um, so, Jonathan, two for four, two for four, two out of six, six. you missed. So, four for six, um, solid showing. But you're missing a Canadian Premier League team. So, yeah, I'm going to show myself out. Yeah, but also it's okay. Like, it's okay. It's I mean, we all Canada. have our moments. We all have our moments. Just Canada. So solid showing on real team or fake team. Thanks for playing. Donald, do you want to share any of the other team real teams that you had that were candidates? Yeah. So um, you mentioned how many teams are in Calgary. Well, they have at least two because the other one I was considering is called Calgary Darts. Um, there are also some really, really incredible teams in this in this list. Uh, Sporting de Montreal which is not club to foot. Um, you have the Oakville Blue Devils. We talk about Blue Devils on this show. Uh, Electric City FC, Sigma FC. Uh, I was going to go Hamilton United, but I knew you'd get that big scene as we had just gone to Hamilton. Um, the best one, I think, it, the, honestly, one of the best names in North America, the Thunder Bay Chill. Just absolutely <laughs> one of the best names. I have seen them play, by the way, um, live in person. In Winnipeg. So shout out to the Thunder Bay Chill. Um, the Winnipeg team is now FC Manitoba. Um, here's another one that I think is great. They have the Edmonton Drillers and the Edmonton Scottish. Like not Scottish something, just Scottish. Scottish. So Scottish. Yeah. And then finally, uh, to wrap this up, we have the Red Deer Renegades. So some great, very, great team names. 
very Canadian. Some on my cutting room floor were Alliance United FC, which just sounds like nothing. Um, it's the next MLS team. Yeah, they're based out of Markham, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. The St. Catharines Roma Wolves, um, League One Ontario, and also Cavalry FC, which is a, another Canadian Premier League team, which mm-hmm. just sounds dumb. Has some great jerseys, by the way. Shout out yeah. to the Canadian Premier League. They had some actually pretty cool jerseys. Yeah. Pacific no. has some dope jerseys. Yeah. And they if you're, yes, if you're Pacific, right. if you're Pacific FC, by the way, um, at Podcacaf, uh, DM us, and uh, I'm a 2X. Um, I'm an XL. You can send me. Yeah, so yeah. we, we will, again, we take bribes in the form of jerseys. Yeah, all right. So in lieu of bribes, we'll move on to what's next. Um, Donald, you just want to touch on the major international tournament coming up? Yeah, so really quickly, the CONCACAF W Championship begins next week. Uh, and just really, this is the qualification process. Uh, there are six groups of five teams each, and so there's this week. Uh, so there's this month. And then in April, they will also finish up qualifying. The six group winners will join the U S and Canada in the W championship this summer, which serves as world cup qualifying and Olympic qualifying your seated teams really quickly, Mexico, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Panama, Haiti, and Trinidad and Tobago. And I do want to shout out friends of the pod, Antigua and Barbuda and Guilla. They're in group a with Mexico. And of course, Vincey Heat, St. Vincent the Grenadines, they're in Group E with Haiti. Now, if I, am I correct, U.S. and Canada are not participating. They're automatically through to the next phase? Because they are the top two ranked teams in CONCACAF on the women's side. They earned automatic passage to the W Championship this summer, so they don't have to participate in qualifying. Yeah, a.k.a. they don't got time to play Islands, um, which is unfortunate. But they should, because yes. we like Island qualifiers. Absolutely. Um, so that's on the women's side, on the men's side, big club news, Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. So on the big club side, uh, this week, not this week, next week. So by the time you've probably heard this podcast, um, we will see the 2022 CONCACAF champions league kicking off, uh, on February, like again, on February 15th. Um, so we have four teams for the U S four teams for the United States or from Mexico, Canada, and Haiti, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, and Costa Rica. I do just want to give a shout out to uh, New York City FC, who is playing at their new home, uh, the Bank of California Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Yes, that is right. NYCFC is playing a home game in L.A. Yeah, they, they can get a star on their jersey, but they can't get a damn stadium. Um, all right, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. It's been a nice long episode. Um, make sure you listen to us. Make, uh, make sure you follow us on social media. We're at podcast on your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's at POD Um, Donald, do you want to let everyone know what you're working on this month? Yeah. So this month, as we all know, is black history month and over at stars and stripes FC, uh, we I've been doing over the last few years, a series of black history posts, both domestic in the United States and also abroad, uh, other parts of the world news on or history moments, players, uh, 
about black history in soccer because it is soccer history. So uh, there are a couple of CONCACAF ones this month, one being uh, the reggae boys in 1998 going to the World Cup. We talked about that uh, back in November, but uh, I did do an, an outwards article about how they got through that process because they're one of the few CONCACAF teams to start at the very, 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 very beginning qualifying in advance to a World Cup. So go check that out, starsandstripesfc.com. Uh, that's where I'm doing those. I'll be bringing you stories all month. Go ahead and check them out. And I hope you enjoy them. Yeah, definitely some good shit. Definitely check that out. And definitely check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, please support the podcast. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month. If you want, I'll give you my Venmo if you want to Venmo me. Like, I don't really care. Like, we're, we're doing this out of love, but we also need some support. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, if you're a subscriber already, We'll be going right on to one more round so you can join us for another drink there. Thanks for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.